This is Scamp Life, the other side, a bi-weekly podcast for summer camp professionals with your hosts, Kelly and Shauna. Now it's time for another thought-provoking episode exploring the amazing world of summer camp. Welcome back to another episode. I hope you enjoyed our most recent episode with Joel. Everyone who has listened to it so far has very much enjoyed it. So Mm -hmm. before we get into this week's episode, I highly recommend everybody go listen to that one as well. Joel said some really great things. So thank you again, Joel, for coming on the podcast and Mm -hmm. and pouring your heart out to literally literally (laughs) pouring your heart out to our listeners. This week is a little bit different episode. We recently, we listened to many episodes just like, you know, of different podcasters, just like a lot of people within the camping industry do. And we both, Shauna and I, listened to an episode recently that caused us to take a little bit of a step back as we have some different opinions than the the podcast that we are going to talk about. So the podcast we are going to be talking about today is one of Summer Camp Society's podcast on changing or seeing the, the counselor position in a different light. Yeah, rethinking the, rethinking the counselor the role. Position. Yes. Yeah, yeah. We want to preface this, though, with the fact that we are just giving a different opinion to their opinions and what they think. We have no ill will towards the Summer Camp Society and what they do. They bring a lot to the camping organization, but we will be, you know, referencing some things that they have said throughout their episode just because we have a different opinion on it. And we just felt like it was a good thing to give a different perspective from what they said so that camps in different places can see two different sides of things but please do not take this as any ill will towards the summer camp society they put out a really great program and have some really great resources for camp professionals across really everywhere so Mm -hmm. we just want to make sure that that is said ahead of time so that this does not seem like we are totally digging at them we just have a different opinion so with Mm -hmm. that being said shauna would you like to give a little quick overview of that episode if people have not yet listened to it. Yes. So this was actually my first time listening to the Summer Camp Society podcast. And I follow them on my professional account on Instagram, the Day Camp Pro plug. (laughs) And they posted a little snippet of what Jack shot, if you're familiar, said. And he said that it's not a responsibility to prepare staff for the rest of their lives it's our responsibility to make sure that our campers are taken care of and have a great time at camp and that is and that the staff feel good and i immediately was like uh, i disagree with that i'm wondering if this quote was taken out of context so that's what made me go and listen to it and the entire podcast is about thinking about the counselor position differently in a more, I don't know how to put this, in a way that makes it more individualized to the person's strengths. That is what I would say that it is mostly about. Would you agree, Kelly? Yeah, I would definitely. I think that's what at least the bulk of the the episode is. They definitely went on a few different tangents and a couple great ideas throughout. Mm -hmm. But I would say that definitely it is geared towards a lot of yeah individual strengths of staff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I would say that 
their podcast is seem to be more geared towards sleepaway camps Mm -hmm. than day camps just based on the things that they were talking about which i thought wasn't too inclusive of the camp industry as a whole um, especially when you're talking about reshaping the counselor role as a whole for the entire industry. So I do just want to preface that, you know, day camps, we're here. We exist. Hi, we're here. Hi. We're both here. <laughs> Don't forget about us. And that, you know, there were a, like a few things that I took away that were positives. But, you know, thinking about the industry as a whole, a lot of the things that they were talking about seemed more idealistic rather than practical. And I'm excited to get into those things. Awesome. Thanks. So yeah, so we both listened to the episode. We were both drawn to it, I think, for two different reasons. I Mm -hmm. previously actually did an episode on, you know, changing up or looking at the counselor role differently about a year ago with a different co-host on this. If you want to go listen to that episode, by all means, basically the previous episode I recorded was more about, are we, you know, giving too much to the counselors in this day and age and, and reshaping it that way, which is actually one of the, I think the tagline they used somewhere I have it written down (laughs) either within the podcast or, or as part of marketing the podcast. So that's what drove me to it because I was like, Oh, I did an episode like this. It's back in our, our past, you know, episodes, go Mm -hmm. check it out. If you want those kinds of ideas of, of reshaping or thinking that they're, we're putting too much on them now, but so that's why I listened to it. So we were drawn to it for two different reasons. Mm-hmm. I would agree with you, Shauna, that it did sound very overnight campy. And I don't know if all their episodes are like that. I have not had a chance yet to listen to another episode. I plan to. Mm-hmm. They've got a couple out that I'm I'm looking forward to listening to on my drives to and from work. But yeah, I don't know if all of them sound that way. It definitely did feel very overnighty, which I mean, I have an overnight background, so I have very Same. much. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I have very much been able to, you know, when people talk about overnight camp, be able to to think of it in more of a day camp aspect and or how mm-hmm. I might readjust it into day camp. Uh, or just but, understand where their thought process yes. is coming from. Yes. Mm-hmm. So I know they brought up like, you know, doing laundry. Okay. The only laundry we do at day camp are our towels for the kitchen. And if a kid has an accident. Mm-hmm. So I know there's a lot more laundry in overnight world. And I, I think there was something else I mentioned that was, oh, like waking up, ki- waking up kids in the morning. They mentioned mm-hmm. in there, you know, yeah. you need to make sure your counselors know how to do that. Mm-hmm. If my kids fall asleep, then they're very tired. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I call that a win. <laughs> yes. So, yeah. So, I mean, there, there definitely were some really good things. I, I like the idea of, of going to their strengths, but in a, in a very different way. So mm-hmm. I think you should train all of your staff in everything during staff training. I, I, mm-hmm. I do, whether that be the program areas, the group dynamics, the homesickness, the conflict resolution. Mm-hmm. I really do think we need to train all of our staff in everything. Where I feel like we don't need to train them is the, the deeper side. So conflict resolution at a minimum level of where they can resolve basic conflict. Mm -hmm. But taking that off of the counselor, I think it needs to be the leadership and above. Same with mental health first aid. I think that needs to be a leadership and above and or director at my camp Mm -hmm. right now. It is just me with it. So if there is any hint of a mental health crisis, counselors know just to call me and I'll just take over from there. But at least training everybody 
in everything, right? Like train everybody. Yeah. Then get an idea of what they like and go from there. And if you have choice programming and have the ability to do it, then try try and place people to their strengths because it'll deliver mm-hmm. a better program. Yeah. That's not always the case. We are hopefully trying out choice programming for the first time this year here. But mm-hmm. up until about a month ago, we were scheduled all the way through. So that'll be something new for us. And I have done it in other places and it's worked. But mm-hmm. like in our case and in many cases, if you are fully scheduled or even 90% scheduled throughout your day, it is very difficult to play to an individual strength of staff. And so you may not have the ability to cater to the individual counselor on their strengths for programmatic stuff. And I feel like that's what they touched on a lot was the program yeah. side for for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just wheeling it back. They were calling it job crafting. Um, okay. So like making the job for the applicant, not so much having the applicant fit the job description. And I think that there are there's positives and negatives to that, right? The job is always going to be the job, essentially, right? Being a camp counselor, there are certain things that are always going to be the same. You know, behavior management, you're going to have need to do's, other duties as assigned because the days are chaotic. And we all know literally anything can happen at camp. We've all experienced the anythings. And there's just certain things that make the job camp counseling, right? Working with kids, you know, troubleshooting, problem solving, all of those things. So I, I feel like doing job crafting is a little bit more idealist than what we truly can accomplish in a realistic camp setting. So so I get where they're they're trying to come from with job crafting because I know at the end of the podcast they they made a note from Good to Great and they referenced that book. And mm. and job crafting they call it they use a different analogy within Good to Great. So I feel like a lot of this came from from that book. Uh, great book. It's by Jim Collins. It's one of my favorite and I do a lot of stuff within it. However, this I don't know. This just, I feel like, yeah, I feel like, I think it's very idealistic, at least Mm -hmm. in a sense for what we currently do, or, you know, at least for what the bulk of camps have when you just talk about the camp counselor. So, Mm -hmm. so in good to great, the analogy that's used, and I've, I've used this for years because I think it's extremely important is that you put the, you get the right people on the bus, you get the wrong people off the bus, you get those right people in their right seats. So being their, their correct positions, and then you decide where the bus is going. So that's great. And and you can craft the job that way. But I feel like at the end of the day, a camp counselor, like you said, a camp counselor is still going to be a camp counselor. We have to watch mm-hmm. the kids. You know, you have to problem solve. You have to do conflict resolution. And your other duties as assigned aren't always like taking on extra work, right? Like yeah. sometimes it's not even extra work. It's just like, well, I didn't expect that I would have to, you know, take kids to a bathroom every 20 minutes. I didn't expect, <laughs> I didn't expect to have to fill water bottles because I didn't realize a kid didn't know how to do that or tie a shoe mm-hmm. or, you know, things that maybe an 18, 19 year old doesn't realize that a five, six year old, seven year old doesn't quite know how to do yet. Like when we mm-hmm. see other duties as a sign, I'm not asking them to, you know, take on my job. 
No, or build a cabin. <laughs> or build, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, now when you get up to director level, yes, other duties as assigned could be far bigger, but at least for our counselor roles, mm-hmm. I don't see other duties as assigned to be that. And when I think of job crafting, I more think of like, okay, I have these great staff because I've hired them. And now to put them into the right seats, if -hmm. we're still using that same analogy, I'm going to see where their strengths are. And actually the book talks about putting your strongest people in your biggest opportunities, not your, Mm -hmm. your toughest areas. So I don't know. I think, I think in that aspect, like I definitely, I'm going to hire counselors. I'm going to hire lifeguards. I'm going to hire my leadership. Like I have I mean, if, if people could see through my screen right now, you know, or microphone, they'd be able to see my board filled with, you know, the names of the people and the positions, <laughs> but I also do play to their strengths. Like, but I do that going into hiring them. Like when I do an, mm-hmm. unless you have a special skill, like a CDL or a nursing license or something like that, I'm interviewing you as a counselor. Only later yeah. in that interview, do I feel like if you could do ropes or lifeguarding or equestrian, everybody gets a counselor interview. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Something that Jack said was that your job description is too long. If you have like basically like these need to do's other duties as assigned in there. And I would counter that in saying maybe it's not too long, but maybe if counselors are coming into the job, unsure if they took the position that was on the job description your job description isn't describing the job well, and maybe that's a counter to look at it. Job descriptions are going to be long. It's a legal thing (laughs) at the end of the day, because you, you have to write the job responsibilities because that is what their contract is essentially. Mm -hmm. And if the responsibility isn't on there and it's integral to their performance, to their, to what they do, their daily tasks, then, you can't hold them to it if it's not there. So I understand where he's coming from. These are, you know, very counselors for the majority of the part are college age and older. And some camps hire like high school juniors and seniors as well. So reading through an entire job description can get droning, especially when we know attention spans are shortening. But there's different ways to write job descriptions that's not just listing everything that they have to do or all the qualifications that they need to have. And I think actually, if we're talking about job descriptions in HR, yes, it's a legal document. Yes, HR has to also be other to understand it. But also mm -hmm. Joel made a good point in our last episode about how, you know, camps bend a lot of stuff. And really all of that needs to be discussed in your interview process Mm -hmm. when you're interviewing. And then the job description, really, that's for HR. Like, yes, we have it. And yes, we abide by it. But really, that's for HR. Because like you said, it's a legal document. Like, that that's HR. And we have to be able to work within the the constraints of what HR needs so that they understand what we're doing. And so... And we don't get in trouble legally. Right. And so, I don't know. I feel like this also, like, really ties well with, like, the episode we just did with Joel. Because we talked a lot about you know, how much we bend and and how important HR is too. Mm -hmm. Uh, But with the job description, yeah, I mean, we can express what the job is in the interview and I leave myself open to questions past the interview too. So 
I mean, mm-hmm. I'd rather you back out first day of training because it wasn't what you expected after asking a million questions mm-hmm. than to, you know, I don't know, just not do a good job. Yeah, I I can agree with that. I Something that I do for my prospective applicants is I invite them to an info session. And it kind of works for me too, because I get to see them you know, make sure they're a real human. (laughs) And the info sessions I just put on Zoom because that's just most convenient for everyone before times and now. I don't know why we always called them in for like pre-interview interviews. It's kind of silly. So we go into a Zoom room. I previously, I would go through a really quick PowerPoint slide that kind of just really hones in on like, what the job is away from the job description like this is what you're going to be doing every day these are the most common tasks here are some things that you might do once a week etc but i have winter break coming up uh, the first week of january and i am actually going to be videoing my cur- my staff that was there the previous summer that have, are working uh winter break camp and asking them some specific questions about their experience and then i'm going to put all that together and i'm going to show that instead so they're hearing it thank you uh so they're hearing it from the people that have experienced it rather than from me the boss that sees it all but doesn't have to feel it all you know (laughs) i mean we have to feel other things that you are a little bit more highbrow mostly dealing with parents who you know are completely different group of people that but, I mean, we, but that's why we take that off of the staff right yes like, exactly that is one of those things that you don't need to put on your staff you know my my staff unfortunately do have to deal with parents at the bus stop because we bust them all and I cannot be at all five bus mm. stop locations at the same time nor nor can I feasibly jump from each one in a timely manner so like get on that we we do teach them uh some customer service but they also know that you know if something becomes too escalated or or whatnot they just have to pass it to me like give out mm-hmm. my phone number have them call me call me and put give them your phone and, and pass it I think it's important too that if you're gonna teach them to call someone else you need to teach them the basics of how to handle it in the moment mm-hmm. because you know kids argue and, and conflict resolution and all that like you need to be able to do the basics Yep. And then if it gets too far for, for you to handle, then call someone else who can do it. Yes, but I agree. Don't just throw your hands up in the air and say, nope, this isn't for me. Yeah, I agree wholeheartedly. Something that I thought was really interesting was, I believe it was Allison who said that she had trouble dealing with campers that were homesick and that she didn't have the empathy to be able to you know help that camper and she would have rather dropped them off with a camp mom or some other camp professional that was going to work through that and first i want to say that empathy this is something that i study i present on this in conferences it's not something that you need to have that specific experience in order to understand where you're coming from. Empathy is just trying to understand the emotions that you felt in a similar situation. So, 
you know, homesickness isn't something that I dealt with either. I was happy to get away from me home. Too. <laughs> I was like, let me go. I don't want to be here. Um, but just because I haven't experienced homesickness doesn't mean that I haven't missed someone. It doesn't mean that I haven't longed for something. And I can get on that camper's level because I have those same emotions, not the same experience, but the same emotions to help them figure out what they're going through to pinpoint the emotions that they do have, because that is camp professionals responsibility is to help campers build up that emotional toolkit. So that way they're continuing to grow when they leave you. So I also had some feelings when a child chooses their trusted adult and you say, I can't help you with this. Let me drop you off with somebody else. I feel like you're losing that child's trust. They chose you. They felt comfortable talking to you. And as much as I understand where I believe it was Allison, I'm sorry if it was MJ, didn't feel like they had the emotional capacity or the skill set to work through that with the camper dropping them off with somebody else I feel like is not an appropriate way to handle that. I train all of my counselors on dealing with homesickness, even though we're a day camp, kids mm -hmm. still get homesickness. Maybe their older brother or sister or sibling is going away to camp and they hug them goodbye in the morning, or they got a new puppy at home. We always have new puppies every summer. It's weird. And they want to go home and play with that puppy. So they're homesick for the puppy or grandma and grandpa were in town. And then they had to go back to Florida wherever grandma and grandpa lives. So, you know, we, I make sure that my staff is trained on it. And if I have a staff member that's struggling with a camper that has homesickness or is experiencing something similar, if I need to step in, I make sure that their trusted adult is there too. Mm -hmm. Because just dropping them off and leaving them there is, a, I don't want to go so far and say it's abandonment, but you're risking your relationship with that camper. So that's why I think it's important that when we talk about job crafting and looking at specialized skills, there's some skills that every single counselor has to know how to deal with. And dealing with homesickness is one of those because it's the most common thing we see at camp. Yeah, so that's I mean, my two cents on that. I think, but I think that that goes back to the point I made before you even said that with like making sure they have the basic skills, right? Mm -hmm. Like not just leaving them with camp mom, camp dad, but the you know, but even the camp mom or camp dad, they're usually volunteers, yeah. And because a lot of us don't have the the financial capacity to pay some, but also camp moms usually. A volunteer because either they're alumni their kids came here and they just mm -hmm. love camp so they're or not the director's mother you know? right like they're not always and they're not always trained in these these skills mm -hmm. either they just have the life skills which is not i mean kudos to them right like that's awesome like i've given them major credit and camps that have camp moms we had one growing up and she made the best hot chocolate. So mm. even as a counselor, <laughs> when you needed the little pick me up and she made, oh, she made it from scratch and it was oh, so good. But that's the, that's the point is 
I didn't really know her. I just went there for the hot chocolate because I needed to pick me up. But I wouldn't necessarily go into deep conversation with her. She was a volunteer. You know, Mm -hmm. she wasn't also trained in those. You don't, I mean, directors usually know what they're getting, but yeah, kids don't. Kids don't know. It's not the school counselor. And even if I don't know this person, they're the school counselor. So they're there to talk. Mm -hmm. You know, yes, if camps are successful and have people who are there, you know, they're either trained therapists, they're there as your mental health person, or they have names for them all. All different mm-hmm. camps have different names. But yeah, it's just, I would I would agree. Like, don't just abandon them. And I hate to use yeah. that word, but that's, that's what it feels like. And anytime yeah. I need to, I mean, you need to have three people in a conversation anyway. So keep that mm-hmm. trusted adult with them. Yeah. Yeah. And going back to what you said about teaching them the basics, Jack mentioned that he doesn't like to train his staff on higher level issues with the campers, like meltdowns. He didn't say that specifically, but I'm just going to give an example. Something that I thought about was there's a lot of different ways to not have a meltdown. (laughs) So if we're not training staff on how to deal with meltdowns, are we training staff on how to mitigate or avoid meltdowns? Because those things are very easy. Transitions, time transitions, breaks, making sure their muscles are getting taken care of, giving the kids a schedule of exactly what they're going to do during the day. Because a lot of kids have anxiety around that because their days during the school year are very timed. So I, I understand where he was coming from with saying that higher level behavioral issues should be handled by more trained staff, like the leaders, like the directors, like the camp assistants. Totally get that. But it's those smaller things that it it made it sound like he he didn't feel like they needed to be trained on those things either. Um, So I would say train them. Yes. (laughs) It's going to save you such a headache (laughs) from having to come in for little things. Well, for big things to the kid, but it was just a little thing that set them off that could have been easily handled in the moment by the counselor. I really do like to give the power to my counselors when it comes to handling behavioral things, because if I'm stepping in all the time, they're losing their power of being, I hate this, like saying power and authority figure, but when somebody else is coming in and redirecting that behavior and kind of taking the lead on that, it allows the campers to see like, oh, my counselor's not in charge. What else can I get away with? Uh, And that's just how kids are. And it's normal and it's healthy for them to be like that. They're supposed to be pushing boundaries. But the more you train your staff on that, the more independence you give them to handle those situations and they're calling on your support staff less. And we want to train them to be independent. That's one of the biggest things camps do is to Mm -hmm. foster independence, both with the campers, but I also feel like with the staff too. And so that is such a huge skill that I feel like we teach. And it's a big skill that I feel not, I don't want to say at home that kids are losing, but I feel like just in the general day to day independence is it's there, but it's not Mm -hmm. different in a different independence, right? some parents are are doing too much independence with the children and just giving them an iPad. But at the same yeah. time, being able to make their own choices 
and doing things like that. And it's so important to foster that at camp. I just feel like it's such an important skill. And so we need to be able to continue that. I agree. And that goes into my plunging of the toilets. So Jack's opening quote was that we're not here to teach counselors life skills. And to an extent, I understand where he's coming from, but I can tell you right now, without the camps that I worked for teaching me life skills, I don't think I would be where I am now. So, I mean, how many counselors learn how to do laundry at camp? Exactly. Like or, their parents didn't teach them. And mm-hmm. so, and because, and they only do laundry when they go home and visit, or they live at home when they go to school, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, you learn or how to do just, laundry at camp. Yeah, making the mistake of not doing laundry, and then you find everything smelly and moldy. You will never make that mistake again. And I really feel like these small tasks that Jack, MJ, and Allison talked about, like, look for the person that likes to wash the tables. I feel like camp is a community and everybody should be responsible for cleaning. Mm. That's not just one person's job. I've worked at several sleepaway camps where we always had to eat at the same table. Yep. There was, yeah. And if you come back to a sticky table, that's your own that's fault. On you. Exactly. Yep. And now you have to eat through that meal sticky and you're going to remember that and you're going to wash the table better next time. Right. And it could have been the counselor that wiped it down. It could have been the camper that wiped it down, but they're both learning that like sticky tables are gross. Hmm. Nobody wants to eat on a sticky table and that we need to do this better next time. And that counselor is there to role model how to properly clean the table for that camper. So in order to transfer those life skills, we have to make sure our counselors have those life skills. And I'll tell you, I didn't come with a lot of life skills. I did not know how to plunge a toilet. I had a mom that worked all the time. I didn't have anybody else. So I learned, I learned how to camp. plunge a toilet. I so did camp. I. Camp, I learned at camp. Camp Chippinaw, Swan Lake, New York. <laughs> Shout out. Michael Bear. He came in as plunger man, man, man. He dressed up. It was a whole thing. And I learned how to plunge. And I felt... So I don't even know what the word is, but I just it's like an accomplishment feeling. Yeah, it really yeah. is. Like I felt like if a toilet were to overflow, I could handle it. Mm-hmm. And Jack did say in the podcast, tell me why a counselor has to learn that. And I could give you several reasons. One, water damage is expensive. <laughs> very expensive so if you have a counselor if your bunk has bathrooms or you have a greenhouse where the campers go to the bathroom if you have a counselor there that sees that the toilet is over flooding you can go right in and start plunging it and diminishing the need to call in a plumber and a carpenter to get all of that woodwork done and you know all of the water damage but also when a toilet is overflowing, it's normally because of fecal matter, and that is a biohazard, and now it's in your wood. Or if it gets out of hand and the water starts to build up, now it's in the bunking area where the beds are and the comforters, and now your counselor has to wash all those laundry clothes again, you know? Like, it's a cycle. So I feel like teaching them how to plunge is is very important. Yeah, I am usually the resident, pl- or at least two years ago, I was the resident plunger here at camp. 
And last year, more of my staff knew how, which was fantastic. We also got better plungers, which helped. But <laughs> but you also have to think of it too. So like if you have to call on somebody to plunge the toilet, like mentioned in the podcast, like, okay, you don't want to learn how, you call on somebody. What if that person can't get to it right then and there? Yeah. We have communal bathrooms, multiple, kind of like they set up at school, you know, toilet stalls. Yeah, same. Sort of. mm-hmm. So, you know, it's not in a bunk. So it's not like you could leave the bunk and go to a different bathroom and use it until it gets fixed if you have to wait on that person. Mm-hmm. Our bathrooms are being consistently used. Same. Our staff don't always have the ability to put an out of order sign on it. And even if they did, who's to say that that seven-year-old is going to be like, Oh, out of order. I'm not going to use this. They're they're going to continue using this toilet that is backed up and overflowing. And now you have a bigger mess if that person can't get to it. I didn't have to plunge a toilet all summer because my staff took it upon themselves to do it, which means I got to be outside. I got to be doing other things that are needed or helping Mm -hmm. other places Or if you're going to just put it on counselor to counselor, it's one less thing another counselor has to do. And I think with the example of wiping down the tables, and I do kind of like this idea, and I think it was Allison who brought it up of the red light, yellow light, green light, where like Mm -hmm. red light, you're off. Like you are 100% off. You're in the staff lounge. You're not on camp, whatever off time looks like at your property. Yellow light. They use the example of a talent show where you are there, you are supervising your kids, but you're also just watching the talent show and everybody's sitting down and everybody is like, it doesn't really take a lot of brain power or Yeah, you can space out if you want to. Right. (laughs) Clap on cue. (laughs) Yep. And green light is you have to be on, you know, you're teaching archery and supervising at the same time, whatever. Yeah. I do like that, that, you know, idea. However... I don't, like you mentioned, I don't think wiping down tables should be that unless it's like at the end of the day and all staff are cleaning up and it's kind of like, okay, this staff member is in charge of checkout and watching the children. So that other counselor is going to go in and wipe down your final clean of the day, you know? And I know they mentioned like hiring in a, a cleaning crew to do stuff. We don't all have the funds and not every donor wants to do that. Yeah, because the donors feel like it's something that the staff can do. Yeah, yeah. But, but and, also, if you're keeping up with it every week, mm-hmm. you shouldn't have to. Yeah, something that they said was that I understand again where they were coming from, but I don't necessarily agree with what they had said was that why are we teaching our counselor staff to handle problems that might happen and because they do at some point (laughs) i know but like teaching somebody how to plunge a toilet might only happen once a summer and not to every cabin or to every counselor which is a very fair and true statement but I want everybody to be trained. I I feel like these trainings are so small too. Like these and you don't know simple. You also don't know who it's going to happen to. Like yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? Like you don't know if you're going to be the one who has to plunge a toilet this Mm -hmm. summer, or your kid, you know, clogs it, or you don't know if you're the one who's going to end up with a group with you know terrible group dynamics, and they just don't Mm -hmm. all get along, and having to mitigate that 
you know, yeah. at the basic level. So, I mean, and it's also the thing is like your leadership and your, your directors or whomever the person to call is, mm-hmm. isn't always going to be there. So yeah. I know that was a big thing of like making sure it's individualistic mm-hmm. and staff get to do what they want to do and are mm-hmm. good at, but at the same time, it's not feasible because there's mm-hmm. going to be times where you have to do just what you have to do. Mm-hmm. Totally agree with that. And it's not fully stated, but it is danced around a little that teaching to these life skills takes a lot of time. And why am I going to put that into my training? It, it doesn't. It's like 20 minutes altogether. You know, you can take that 20 minutes and it's going to save you thousands of dollars and hours of headaches later. But there's also ways to build it into training to where you're teaching a game or you're Mm -hmm. you're teaching other things and it's part of it. I mean, Mm -hmm. each one teach one is a wonderful training thing. Mm -hmm. And you can the one I always go to is tying a shoe because it's something that like if I were to take off my shoe and teach another person to tie a shoe and then they have to teach me how to do it based off what I've told them and demonstrate it okay you've just learned how to tie a shoe on another person Mm -hmm. guess how many little six and seven year olds don't know how to tie their shoe that you're going to be tying shoes on or Mm -hmm. now you can teach that skill to that camper and teach them how to tie a shoe core memory yep i understand where they were coming from where if a counselor says like why do i have to learn and i keep using this pledging the toilet thing because it was one of the most formative things i've ever learned in my but life they also used it throughout the episode it wasn't yeah, just like a, yeah. a one-time example like it was mentioned multiple times mm-hmm. where if the counselor says like i'm never going to plunge a toilet again in my life i I'm going to call my mom or I'm going to call a plumber. That is not something that everybody has access to. And a plumber's not going like they're expensive. They're expensive for one, especially if you want them to come out same day. I will tell you that plunger man, man, man was like three minutes of my life that I will never forget. And I can plunge a toilet now and I feel proud that I can because it is a life skill. You know, I know how to wash down a table. I know how to sweep properly. All of these things I learned at camp. And I know that's not true for everybody. Some people, you know, helped with the cleaning. It's not that I didn't help with the cleaning. I just had to guess a lot because my mom was a single mom. So she wasn't home a lot. So the, you know, my task to-do list was always like, okay, I have the sweep, let's figure this out. But I got to learn all of that at camp and I got to show my campers that and be a good role model in that way that I was dedicated to the community and keeping it clean and helping out and that none of those things were below me because oftentimes those jobs get relegated to our black and brown workers and by saying I don't do that I feel like it's sending a message that is counter to what camp is supposed to be mm-hmm. yeah i mean i i agree i think it's very important to teach all the skills all of them yeah. well was there <laughs> anything else you you needed to to speak on shauna <laughs> so as a zoo person they talked about critter races 
And if you don't know what a critter race at this specific camp, they said that they would have. They also don't recommend it. Let, let's make sure we put that in there. They don't recommend yeah, it. They don't recommend it. But I, I just want to say that leave the wild animals alone. <laughs> if it has a mouth, it can bite. Yep. That is something that I tell everybody. I, you know, they, they weren't picking up any animals that could carry rabies, but like they, they said, an armadillo, which I'm almost Leprosy. positive cannot. Sort of, kind of. Depends on the species, but not so much. Not in the way that a lot of people think. And I think the ones in the United States are only three banded and nine banded. So those ones don't carry leprosy. It depends on the food that they eat too. It's there's a lot of things. I'm not going to go into the science. This is not what the podcast is about. But <laughs> I just I have to mention it because I am Team Zoo. I come from an accredited zoo, so just leave the wild animals alone and love them from afar. Unless you're fishing, then I get it. But you know, if, make sure your kids' hands are wet too if they're picking up frogs. <laughs> That's another thing. <laughs> But yeah, so Creative Racers does sound very fun, though. Oh, it sounded hilariously fun. Like, Let's go worm! Like <laughs> It reminded but... me of like being a kid and when we had, I know so many people in, in elementary school would do this. They'd take like a spider and an ant and stick them in a water bottle and just watch them oh fight to the death. Okay, this was over 20 <laughs> years ago. I know, I'm just like, done today <laughs> but i mean if that was done at my camp we'd have a long talk but if that was done at another camp that wouldn't be a talk at all I'd be like okay let's put these two guys back and go on but, but or people like, would put like two different spiders in a water bottle and the water bottle was empty okay like let's let's go back the water bottle yeah, was yeah, empty. Yeah, yeah. it was just the arena it was the arena oh it was so much fun <laughs> but that was 20 yeah. years ago so yes but, the wildlife yeah, where it is not recommended sounds very awesome <laughs> not recommended the they did not recommend thing, it either so yeah they did not they did not recommend it either the last thing that i want to say about this uh job crafting is in a perfect world it would be great to pick and choose the job duties that we want to do but i can tell you from personal experience when i worked at brooks pharmacy um I was the cashier, the bagger, the, the shell stocker, the shell facer, customer service. And I learned so much from doing all of those tasks. Did I enjoy being this shell stocker? No, but I learned resilience through that. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think building resilience is probably one of the biggest things we want to teach our staff because they're not always going to get what they want in life either. So yes being able to be resilient and work through things. And I know a lot of people talk about grit and having that, you know, it's, it's so important as camp staff, camp professionals, people to, to develop those things and, and learn them somewhere that they can mess up and it's okay to fail. Yeah. And camp does a really good job at that. So yeah, camp is that safe space. I think that's really important. So I think that's a good end note. I really do. I think so too. Yeah. So basically, you know, like like we said in the beginning, this is no ill will towards the summer camp society. This is one episode that we disagreed on. And Jack, MJ, Allison are such great people. 
They do a lot for the camp community, the camp industry. Camp yeah. industry, yes. But we just had a different opinion, a very strong but mm-hmm. different opinion, enough that we felt like it should be voiced. And you know, we'd love to hear everyone else's opinion. So yeah, give their episode a check out. I think it was their November seventeenth, twenty twenty three episode. Yeah, that sounds about. Go right. ahead and listen to it and. take your own opinion what do you think about it or is there anything that you can implement at your camp from the things that they said and if you are looking for another take on camp counselors like i said i i recorded a previous episode about if we're making our counselors do too much go back and listen to that too it's got some really good ideas completely different from what we talked about today and what summer camp society talked about in their episode so take a listen and we will see you next time bye